Good morning, my friend. Hope you're doing well. It is 12 July 2023. We are six days away from the launch of Hope is the First Dose. Hope is coming in hot six days from now. And I'm excited to be able to offer you some incredible pre-order bonuses. If you go to my website, wlee1md.com slash first dose, you can upload a proof of purchase and download all kinds of cool stuff, screensavers, lock screens, three chapter sample that you can share with your friends to get them to read the book and a almost two and a half hour Spotify playlist of some songs that were helpful to me in writing the book, some songs that my son Mitch loved, some music that I love that takes you from a kind of a dark, lost place to a hope place that we end on hope with Tommy Walker's song, I Have a Hope, and it's a great journey in this playlist. I listen to it every morning, and I'm bringing you songs out of it. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to give you for King and Country's song, Busted Heart. I woke up with that song on my mind this morning. And it's on the playlist. It's just a great song uh, to kind of help you understand what happens when you got a busted heart and what you can do next. Hey, before we get any further, I have to make an apology for yesterday. I had the John Swanson episode, tremendous talk that I had with my good friend, Dr. John Swanson, and I edited it, did all the normal things that I do, and before I went to surgery yesterday, uploaded it and was off to the races with the operating room, and then got a text from John, and he said, hey, I was going to go for a run with you this morning, and I turned on the podcast, and it was an old episode. So somehow, in the uploading process, I clicked on the wrong file, and I gave you the day before's episode again with all the John Swanson setups. I don't know how I did that, but anyway, it's fixed now. If you go back to yesterday and click on the John Swanson episode, you can hear that great talk we had uh, about how to be there for other people when they're going through their massive things. So some kind of rookie move after almost 900 episodes, I clicked on the wrong file. I don't think I've ever done that before, but... If you noticed that you tried to play the episode yesterday and it didn't work, it works now. Go back and check out John. I don't want you to miss that episode. Very powerful. Now let's get into today. So listen, today I have an incredible guest. It's going to be one of these amazing everyday hope talks. I've been on Twitter for a while and I've never really figured Twitter out. I've never had a lot of followers or spent a lot of time on Twitter, but I but I love it because it's a great place to connect with new people. And one of those new people that I connected with is a guy named Drew Dick, D-Y-C-K. Drew is an acquisitions editor for Moody Press, Moody Publishers. He writes for Christianity Today. He's got several books in print and a new book coming out in October. And I found him because I was following Joel Miller and he commented on one of Joel's posts and said something really funny. And I love humor and comedy, as you know. And so I started looking at his tweets and, and I found them really encouraging and hilarious. And, and then I just decided to check him out. So I, I clicked on his bio and saw that he had written a book about self-control. And that got my attention, of course, because this podcast, we're always talking about neuroscience and, and self-brain surgery and how you change your mind and change your life and all that. And he had a tweet where he said, my new my book, Your Future Self Will Thank You, is about self-control. And I talk about brain science and I'm kind of nervous as a non-scientist to talk about brain science. Well, when I saw that, I thought, well, I need to read it so I can give him some encouragement. If he got the science right, I'll, I'll reach out and tell him, hey, you did a good job with the science. So I went to Amazon to buy his book, and when I found his book, Your Future Self Will Thank You, I noticed that one of his other books is called Yawning at Tigers. I thought, what in the world is that about? Some books have an interesting title or an interesting cover, and they'll make you just click on them, even though you don't really know what they're about. And it turned out that Yawning at Tigers is about learning how to be aware of the transcendence and majesty of God. The understanding God's holiness and His power is sort of a superpower hack to, not really hack, but a, a way to all of a sudden find that God is this 
this big, majestic, awesome God that we should be in awe of. And it reminded me of Oswald Chambers' famous statement that if you, in your life you can either be afraid of God, you can, you can learn to fear God and hold him in awe and reverence and holiness, or you can be afraid of everything else. Like If you, if you nuzzle up against God and, and worship him properly and understand his majesty and power, that means that that power and majesty extends to you and covers you and protects you, and you don't have to be afraid of anything else. That's Oswald Chambers in a nutshell. When I found Drew's book, Yawning at Tigers, I had just finished John Bevere's new book, The Awe of God, which is without question the best book aimed at understanding holy fear and the fear of the Lord that I've ever read. And a year before, I had read Michael Reeves' book, Rejoice and Tremble, which I told you at the time was without question the best book I'd ever read on the majesty and holiness of God. And so I had these two books, Michael Reeves' powerful theologian, great writer, and a beautiful book, by the way, from Crossway that just did an outstanding job with that whole series um, with with Michael Reeves and Dane Ortland and just a tremendous series of, of really great theology books that came out in 2020 and 2021. And then I read John Bevere's book, and I was just finishing John Bevere's book when I found Yawning at Tigers. And I didn't realize that Yawning at Tigers was going to turn out to be this theological masterpiece, of, but written in a very... Um, almost humorous and, and down-to-earth style. It doesn't come at you like it's a heavy theology book, but it hits you with the truth about who God is. And when you learn who God is, you start figuring out everything else and how it relates in your life. And it makes everything make sense. And in our culture right now, my friend, and this is why, by the way, we're bringing you this episode as one of your 100 Doses of Hope, and one of your lead-in episodes to my book, Hope is the First Dose Release. And the reason I'm bringing you Drew Dick today is because he has written two books that to me point us towards the great hope in our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Yawning at Tigers is all about the majesty and awe of God and understanding who God is and how that can give you power and juice to handle all the craziness that's happening in the world around us today, even hard things, even massive things like we talk about in my book. And then his book, Your Future Self Will Thank You, is all about self-control. Of course, the famous passage in Galatians about the fruits of the Spirit um, talks about what does it look like when you are filled with the Holy Spirit? What does your life look like? There ought to be some evidence. There ought to be some fruit of that. And what Paul says in Galatians 5 is the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we always talk about self-control in the negative. Like, if you're a self-controlled person, then you won't sin, and you won't commit adultery, and you won't lust, and you won't steal, and you won't murder, and you won't drink too much, and all that stuff. And we we talk about it in the negative of all the stuff that you ought not to do if you're a self-controlled person. And that that will be that will mean that you have God living inside you if you have this life where you're not doing bad stuff all the time, right? That's kind of the the infantile, juvenile thought process that we have about self control that we're taught in Bible school as kids, and we never really grow out of that. Sometimes, well, Drew's book gets into this the brain science and the the Bible, the brain science and the scripture behind why a life filled with the Spirit will produce a, a desire to become more self controlled and that that self-control will produce good things in our lives. And it's true. And I want you to think about it, as we've talked about numerous times, I want you to think about the fact that God built your brain, it's the hardware of how your body and your life works, 
And you built your mind, and we understand now deeply from the quantum physics side that your mind is literally the quantum state through which God communicates with your brain. And your and your mind can control your brain, and your brain controls your body, and your, even your genetics, and even your offspring, and everything are heavily influenced by what happens inside your brain. And your thought life, your mind, this quantum operating system that your brain has, that God has put in there, is the generator of the thoughts that produce the biggest changes in how your life plays out. Your thinking controls your life. Show me how you think, I'll show you how you're going to live, right? Well, it turns out that self-control is not just stuff you don't do, but it's learning how to operate this incredible system that God has given you and this incredible communication center that he's put inside you to communicate with his Holy Spirit. And it's unbelievable. And so Drew did just a wonderful job with that book, your future self will thank you. And I just reached out to him and said, hey, man, I think we could have a really compelling conversation about your books and, and, and the transcendence of God and how people can find hope in that. And I think for this generation and this time and this moment in history that we would have a really nice conversation. And, and gratefully, Drew wrote back and said, hey, I'd love to be on your podcast. So we have Drew Dick today, and we had a wonderful conversation. It was a hope-filled, inspired conversation. I even threw in Richard Foster's prayer from my earlier podcast because we talked about Richard Foster for a moment, and you'll hear it kind of just dropped right in the middle a little bit. It'll sound like Drew and I are talking, and then you'll hear Richard Foster's voice praying. So take a second and pray with Richard Foster as we go along. Drew Drew leads us in prayer as we start this, too. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind. Learning how to operate your system properly is a form of self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit, which is the way that you get the juice and power to navigate your life in a way that will keep you from falling apart when the massive thing hits, because it's going to. Right? These bad things are going to, big things are going to happen in your life. Jesus promises, John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. He promised in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But guess what? He also said on the back half of both of those verses, John 16, 33, take heart. I've overcome the world. And John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Friend, the way to find that abundant life is to press in at the tremendous, majestic, powerful God that we have. Because he can help you. He's the only thing that really can. When the world knocks out the bottom under your feet, when everything falls apart, when things seem as dark and as hard as they can possibly be, you will find your feet again if you plant them firmly on the foundation that God gives us. Hope is not optimism. It's not wishing for a certain thing. It's hoping in a certain person who's done it before. It's holding on with that Kavah, that this this Old Testament word that shows up over and over, this tightly bound cord that you're holding on for dear life to, that's pulling in the tension of the now towards the tension of the not yet, that, that is going to come through. God's going to come through, and he's going to prove to be who he says he is. And independent of the circumstances that play out around you in your life, you can find real hope if you build it on this awesome transcendent God that we're going to talk with Drew Dick about here in just a second, but the thing I want to leave you with this morning, besides how encouraging Drew Dick's work is, and besides how amazing our God is, and besides how wonderful the treatment plan is to help you find hope and healing and happiness again after the massive thing, is that you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is, my friend, you can start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. 
That place is called Self Brain Surgery. You can learn it, and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is, you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Friend, we're back, and I'm so excited to introduce you to a new friend. I've been reading his books for about three months now and following him on Twitter. He's hilarious. He's brilliant. He's got a great grasp with theology and is a tremendous writer, and I can't wait to introduce him to you today. I've got Drew Dick on the podcast with us today. Welcome to the show, Drew. Hey, thank you. Man, with that setup, the pressure is on. I better be good. I don't know if I can live up to the hype. I set you up to fail. I'm sorry. There you go. Where are you at today, Drew? I am just north of Portland, if you're talking geographically. (laughs) So I live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest with my lovely wife and three kids, and I work in my pajamas. I've been like a remote worker for, what, seven years now. So I was doing it before it was cool. Now everyone's doing it. (laughs) <laughs> but I feel like they jumped on my bandwagon. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, during Zoom, we would have a tie on and then no pants on or something. We'd, That's we'd do right. All that it's a Zoom outfit. That's hilarious. Hey, before we get started, would you mind just starting a word of prayer for us, starting with a word of prayer? Would love to. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity to speak with Dr. Warren. Thank you for a friend and for the listeners that will be listening in on this conversation I pray that what we say edifies people, informs them, inspires them ultimately to live for you and to please you. Be with us during this time, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Drew, for that incredible word of prayer. And one of the things I love about the internet is how it's enabled us to become friends with and connect with people in the kingdom all over the world. And that's how I found you on Twitter. You got a, just a fun sort of affect about you, and you said a lot of things that were interesting to me. That's what me, led me to your books. So tell us about your book, Yawning at Tigers, for a second. I have a few questions I want to ask you about that before we get into your new book, your newest book. But tell us about Yawning at Tigers. You can't tame God, so stop trying. Sure. That one just grew out of a feeling that I had. I grew up in the church, son of a pastor. So I've been in the evangelical world, especially for a long time. And I just had this feeling that we were missing it when it came to God's holiness, like his transcendence, his otherness. And I heard it in the worship songs we sing that some of them could be sung to a girl, some of them could be sung to God. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's great. We emphasize God's love a ton, how we want to just be near to God. To use the theological terminology, I think we stress his imminence, that is, that is his closeness rather yeah. than his transcendence. But my worry was, is that when we lose that, sense of God's transcendence and otherness, then we lose something when it comes to our relationship, when it comes to how we worship God, just the awe. I think people are really starving for that awe of God and it's missing. So yeah, that was my attempt to to bring a bit of a corrective there. So I don't know if it worked, but it was a fun book to write. 
I think it did. And honestly, I read it on the tail of John Bevere's new book, The Awe of God. And the year before that, I had read Michael Reeves' most recent book. I think he's got one out since then, but his book, Rejoice and Tremble. So the Holy Spirit has risen up three writers now that I respect in the last two years to bring to my attention, hey, you need to look at me in a different light. I'm not your... I'm not here to entertain you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you need to be in awe. And I think you made some points in the book about how our society right now is searching for something and nothing's making them happy and nothing's making mm. them feel really secure. And what they need to be searching for is this God that is omnipresent and awesome and powerful and can take care of everything. And so I guess just give us a minute of that. What is this idea that, that led you to write this and where'd the title come from? And just unpack it for a second. <laughs> Yeah, the title is funny because at the beginning I'm talking about how we we sometimes fail to have the appropriate sense of awe and wonder at God, even though we come to church, we sing the songs, we read our Bible, and sometimes we miss it. And I think it was a subtitle initially in the book, Yawning at Tigers, talking about you know, before this majestic creature, you can be bored and lackadaisical. And that's how we are sometimes towards God. And I think it was my editor who actually took that subtitle and made it the title of the book. So I don't know if I should thank him or blame him. But And one funny thing is that I got a ton of tiger-themed gifts after the book <laughs> came out. Someone <laughs> gave me like a, a painting of a tiger, and I got some tiger socks and even some tiger underwear. So anyway, but you're right. I love what you said, too, about how people are really searching for some something transcendent. I'm in Portland, Oregon, or very near Portland, Oregon here. And it's funny because when people think of a post-Christian culture, which it certainly is out here, they think of people that are maybe atheists or they're just super skeptical. They don't believe in God or anything supernatural. It's just the opposite, right? The, yeah. Around it's neo-pagan. Like people are just totally into spirituality. They, they'd have no qualms about supernatural claims. And yet, of course, they're not coming to the Christian God for various reasons. But this is a time, I think, when people are so thirsty for the transcendent, for something spiritual that will connect to them. And of course, we have that, and it's just a tragedy. Sometimes we fail to communicate it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think I had a conversation with Richard Foster on the podcast a few weeks ago. And of course, he's written, he's sold millions of books, and Celebration of Discipline is his most famous one. But So he's 80 now, and he was talking about that, how he has found throughout his entire life this the only place he really ever finds strength and peace is when he turns back to God. And he said this beautiful prayer where he finished with, much like you did a moment ago, in the great and good and strong name of Jesus Christ. Mm, it was just so like beautiful that. to see an older man still relying for his strength on the strong name of Jesus Christ. That's what we need right now. Yes, Lord, we come here before you the three of us, but also all who are listening, those especially who have gone through difficult times, and even some who dealt with tragic situations. May your spirit move among us that words that are spoken or thoughts that are given might reach into the heart for the good of every single person listening to this conversation. We pray it in the good and the strong name of Jesus Christ, our ever-living Savior, teacher, Lord, and friend. Amen. And just as yeah. a little setup for this episode, and one of the reasons I contacted you 
True. And by the way, thanks for your resilience. We had to reschedule this because I had to do brain surgery a few weeks ago. And I was like, what What kind of excuse is that? Brain surgery? Come on. Am I not the most important thing on your schedule? I know. But just as a setup, so this show came about, we lost our son, Mitch, in 2013. Mm. He was stabbed and we lost him. And in the aftermath of that great tragedy, in an attempt to try to get my arms around my other children and help our family navigate all that, I started writing and podcasting. All that stuff came out of helping other people handle what we were going through. And so a lot of the listeners today are people who tune into my show looking for things that can give them hope again mm-hmm. and looking for things that they can tie their story to that isn't going to fall apart again. And so I think your books both hit on some of those things. And I'll ask you maybe later to give us some things that give you hope and encourage how you can encourage other people because that's what people are here looking for, really. But Yanni at Tigers, I really was moved with this idea that we're bored. You said that the quote is, we're bored to death of living, but scared to death to really live. What if what we're really missing are the deep things of God? And I think you, you hit it on the head. Like, I think what our society is missing right now, and especially if you've been through some kind of great loss, friend, is you, you the things that you thought you could build your life on can be taken away from you. And if oh, it's fame, yeah. right? If it's fame so or it's money or if it's a certain relationship or whatever, you can lose it from death or from human failure or from global pandemics or whatever. So, Drew, give us a word of encouragement there about what is it about God that's the opposite of that, that we can really hold on to. How do you, in your worldview, how do you see God as being that thing that can't be taken away? Man, that's good. I think you said it better than I can. I love that. And I think tragedy, suffering, disappointment, loss, really bring it into focus, right? Because it's in those moments that the trivial pleasures that maybe float you through life or the life hacks or whatever it is that kind of does it for you, all of a sudden are quite empty. And you need those deep things of God. You need a God who's bigger than you, bigger than your circumstances that you can, that's it. it he becomes in those moments, I feel like the bedrock of your existence. And so that's the challenge for me, man. So many times my prayers start with God, I'm sorry, I'm coming to you now when I'm in trouble or when I'm sad or when I'm in a crisis. <laughs> yeah. I think God forgives us for that, thankfully. But I think the challenge is even when you're in those good times to Keep turning back to the awe of God, to the deep things of God, pressing into him and worshiping him for who he truly is. And I think that's something that'll carry you through all of life's storms. Outstanding. I wish we had, I, that I had found you when you wrote that book, because I think we could do a whole conversation about it. But I really want to spend some time on your next book. And you got a new book coming out. We'll get to that at the end, but it's not out yet. So the book that's currently out, Your Future Self Will Thank You, Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science, a guide for sinners, quitters, and procrastinators. I love the title and the subtitle, and I'll give you the award for the longest subtitle. Yeah, I have three titles in there. <laughs> I love it. But so I actually contacted you first because of that, because you, you one of your tweets was, hey, I wrote a book about brain science. And I thought, okay, let's get into that. Let's check this out. And tell us a little bit about how you came to writing a book about self-control. That's not the most popular topic you could have picked to write a book about in 2023. So what's up with that? Yeah. I wish I could say it was just like academic interest. <laughs> but the truth is, <laughs> it was an area of my life in which I realized I had a lot of room to grow. And honestly, at first, I wasn't even thinking of writing a book. I was reading all these books about willpower and self-regulation and reading Christian literature on the topic yeah. and just finding it fascinating. And then it wasn't, yeah, I'd probably read a dozen books and some articles about the topic before something clicked. And I thought, hey, this has been really helpful to me. Maybe I should write a book about it. 
And of course, I'm not a brain surgeon like you. I'm not an expert <laughs> in that. So I kind of had to play journalist and interview some folks and do a lot of reading. And I was thrilled that you thought I handled that okay. But yeah, and I just, I found it fascinating too, the intersection between what I was in the Bible about self-control and then yeah. what the science tells us. And so that was fascinating. And so I, I really love the topic, but mainly I was doing it out of selfish reasons. And that is I wanted to learn to grow because I was always struck by this gap between what I knew and how I actually lived. Because I knew quite a bit, yeah. not everything, but I went to seminary and I love reading about God like we were talking about. And, and that is crucial. And yet when it came to like my prayer life, how often I was reading the Bible, you know, how I was treating my neighbors and my family and my friends often I saw a huge gap there. And so that was the impetus for writing the book. Oh, that's fascinating. You said something at the start of it that I think will lead into some other conversation points. You said this, self-control isn't just one good character trait, a nice addition to the pantheon of virtues. It's foundational, not because it's more important than other virtues, but because the others rely upon it. Why do the virtues rely upon self-control? I think it's just a practical thing because if you – there are no other virtues I can think of, at least, that work without it, right? So if yeah. you want to be kind to people, that takes self-control, especially if they're ticking you off, right? If you want yeah. to be generous, that means suspending your own self-interest. You can't spend all your money or your resources on yourself. You have to put others first. If you want to be brave, courageous, that takes self-control to, to fend off the fear. So yeah, I really do see it as a foundational virtue in that sense, because if it's lacking the other ones don't work. And I think recent years have put it in a stark relief for me because you see all these, especially high profile Christian leaders, many of whom I looked up to and admired, and they just make a smoking crater out of their life, yep. some foolish or predatory or sexual sin. And you go, what in the world's going on there? And of course, th there's a lot going on there, but at the very least, it's a failure of self-control. They weren't able to, to resist those destructive and sinful impulses. So I think it's an important topic. Like you said, it's not the sexiest topic, right? It's yeah. when I tell people that, they go, oh, okay, are you going to be a Puritan or something? Or you sound like you're going to wag your yeah. finger at us. And yet I believe that's too bad it has that rap because ultimately for the Christian, it's a key to living a life of freedom and flourishing, a life that can actually glorify God and bless others. So I think it's I think it's important. I think you're exactly right. And I've been teaching it to my listeners and readers for a while now on this. We have this little, because I'm a brain surgeon, I talk about self-brain surgery, which is the idea of changing how your brain and your body work by changing the things that you think about. And it's real on a neuroscience level as from looking into it. You really can change all your genes and even your descendants genes by changing how you think, which yeah. is what Paul was talking about when he said, think on these things if you want to have a better life, transform your mind. But the big the big concept that I came upon, and you touch on it a little bit, is self-control is not just about not doing stuff that's sinful mm. or harmful. And it's not just about restraining yourself from eating too much or whatever. It literally, if you think about your brain as the hardwire, the hardware that God gave you, and you think about your mind is the software. That's how the Holy Spirit communicates with us. He communicates mm. with us in that through the software hardware interface of our mind and our brain. And so learning how to not restrain that, but to control it, like, like you would think of getting in the cockpit and flying an airplane, like it's the control center. Learning how to right. operate it the way it was designed to be operated is really the secret to having a life that operates like you want it to. And that just occurred to me, like, as I was thinking about 
it's both. It's both and. It's don't do these things that are harmful to your body and harmful to your heart and harmful to other people's and do these things that allow me to control your destiny better the way I designed you to. Yeah. No, and I love that metaphor of hardware, software. And of course, it's better than me. The software affects the hardware eventually too, yeah. right? And and I love that. And you're right. It's self-control, of course. Like when people think of self-control, I think they think of, okay, I need to not eat that donut or yeah. look at those images or whatever it is that they're trying to resist. But of course, it's essential for overcoming the inertia to do the things that you're supposed to do as well, Yeah, which takes discipline, self-control. So yeah, it affects really every area of our life. And like I talked about in the book too, like some, is it a sin to have a second donut? Nah, I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe some people would say it is, but there are just certain things that enables you to do that like eating good food or something like that, that are just wise and healthy for you. But then it also is instrumental in resisting serious sins and things that will really blow up your life. So again, yeah, it's just, it's a crucial topic. That's right. You talk about too how the secret to it, to to learning how to control yourself, self-control, isn't about control, but about surrender. What does that mean? Like, What do you mean by that? Because I think that's a fascinating idea. As soon as I started researching this, of course, as a Christian, you run into this massive paradox, right? Because you're like, okay, self-control. That sounds like you're going to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do this all on your own strength or your own grit. And wouldn't that be wonderful if we could? But unfortunately, that's not how it works. And actually, that's good news because as Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul lists. Yeah. And when you think about that, the fruit of the Spirit, Paul's using a metaphor there too. He's saying, in the same way a tree has to be rooted in the soil in order to bear fruit, we have to be connected to God because it's a fruit of God's Spirit that He produces in our life. So it's not something that we just do on our own. So when you look at it from that perspective, to cultivate self-control in your life isn't just a matter of white knuckling it and saying, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get more discipline. I'm going to become a ninja of self-discipline and pull this off on my own. <laughs> it's really about surrendering to God and going, God, please, I need your help. Empower me to live the life you want me to live. And so when you're coming across each decision, you're going, okay, am I going to surrender to God's will here? Am I going to obey what he would want me to do in this situation? Or am I going to choose my own way? And as we do that more and more surrendering to God's will, that fruit of self-control starts to grow in our life. Amen. I think that's a, that, that's an important thing to understand because we have, I think the enemy convinces us that we're not good enough to control ourselves and we might as well give up and have that donut or beer or whatever. That We can't do it. We've tried before and it didn't work, so you might as well not even try and just hope that you have enough grace to make it to heaven where you'll be better. Sometimes we think that way. That's a defeating thing. But what we learn is when we allow God to control we align our will with his will for our lives, then Paul's promise, I can't think of where it is, but he says it's God that works in us to will and to act, to do things that are pleasing to him. So we don't have to do it. He'll do it for us. We just have to submit, right? Exactly. And it's so interesting because I think like some people fall off the horse on one side or the other. They go, I can't do anything. I just, yeah, like you said, hope that grace covers it. And of course, grace does cover it. But God tells us over and over again through the scriptures to strive for godliness, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that verse you were just quoting, that's the first part of it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. And it's that paradox again. He's saying, you got to work, but listen, it's actually God working in you. And so you don't want to go, let go and let God. On the other side of the equation, you don't say, I'm going to do this all my own strength. No, we need the empowerment of God's spirit. And so that's so crucial. And 
ultimately it all comes from God, right? Even our ability yeah. to try to please him, to try to obey <laughs> is inspired by the work that he does in our heart. So That's at right. the end of the day, all the credit goes to God anyway, but it's important that we cooperate with God's spirit. That's right. You handle the neuroscience. Drew gives you in this really incredible little book, he gives you the tools to understand how your brain works and how the scripture defines for us what self-control is and how those two things come together. And even you even go into Augustine and the disordered loves and how we, where we put our hope in our heart. And I think you just did a really nice job. And I think it's a book that people need to read. So folks, we're going to give away a copy of Your Future Self Will Thank You from Drew. Lisa and I will donate or give away a copy to the first listener that writes in lee at drleewarren.com. We'll send you a copy of his book digitally, or if you want it in print, send me a mailing address. Lee at drleewarren.com. We will send a copy of Your Future Self. Thank you, because I think it's worth you having, and you ought to read it and share it with your friends and tell them about it, because it's worth it. So let's do that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. We're going to give one away, and hopefully somebody will read Yawning at Tigers, too, because that is a book that bent my brain up a little bit, and you need to read it. So what are you doing now? What's the next book about? What are you writing about now? Okay. I just actually finished a book, but it's not out until the fall here in October, and it's called Just Show very short title. Sure. Uh, and as you, yeah, as you might guess from it, it's the importance of presence and just persistence too. There's a, there's some continuity certainly with the self-control book because it's talking about how, well, it starts with um, me talking about a bit of a midlife crisis. <laughs> I'm in my mid forties. So I've been dealing with that a little bit and coming to this realization that early in the journey, you think, oh, I'm going to do something just incredible for God, right? I'm going to change the world. And then realizing, man, life is hard enough just to make it, <laughs> especially right. when you got a career and you got kids and all the rest of it. But then realizing that, you know, what God requires of us, just faithfulness, just showing up. And so then I look at what are the little ways that we can show up for our family, for our community, for our friends, for our church, all those kinds of things. And hopefully it's an inspiring and encouraging book that'll encourage people to just show up. That's awesome. And it's coming out in October. Is that what you said? Coming out in October. Yep. From Moody. Moody Publishers, you bet. Moody Publishers, great. You work for Moody. What do you do? What's, I what's do, your day job? Yeah, that's right. So I'm burning the publishing candle at both ends because <laughs> I'm an editor there. <laughs> yeah, so I work on acquiring and editing books for Moody Publishers. That's a great job. Get to work with ideas and people. So I love that. And then I tell authors, don't do what I do, and that is publish a book every five years and everyone except for your mom forgets that you're a writer. Um, but <laughs> that's been my rhythm. And so here we go. It's been three, four years. And so I've got another book coming out and excited about that. Good for you. And you write a lot. There's Christianity Today and a bunch of different places on Moody Online. So Drew's out there. You can read a lot of work that he's done. There's a lot of YouTube videos with him being on other interviews and podcasts. And he's a guy you should follow on social media, especially Twitter. You're very pithy and interesting and fun to, fun to follow and engaging. And so I've really enjoyed getting to know you. But I think the most important thing is you're a relatively young man with a young family. Your kids are how old? Kids are quite young. So I got 11-year-old. Nine-year-old and four-year-old, really four-year-old. She's really going to keep me young. I'll be ninety-seven by the time she's in high school or something like that. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I just I find it encouraging. You know, we talk, especially in the Pacific Northwest. We talked a minute ago about this post-Christian worldview that's all over us now, and this sort of secular society that we're in, and it seems less and less common for even Christians, even younger Christians, to be really so biblically sound and solid mm -hmm. theologically. And it's just encouraging to me that the Lord 
promises us that his kingdom will never fail. And there's young people like you out there raising your families and pursuing and holding fast to the principles. And I appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing and that you're writing and appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. I'm really encouraged by you. Thank you. I appreciate you calling me a young person. I'm going to cling to that and put it in my Twitter bio, but I've really enjoyed this and you're a pleasure to follow as well. And I'm looking forward to your book. Hope is the first dose. Hope is the first dose. Two, less than two weeks now. It's, it's crazy. Awesome. I'd love to have you back on in October when your book comes out and give that one a little shout if you want. I'd love that. Awesome. I'll look forward to it. We're praying for you and your family and all the work that you're doing. Drew Dick, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure and an honor to meet you and get to talk to you. I look forward to being back with you in October when your book comes out. And God bless you, my friend. Hey, thank you. What a great talk with Drew Dick. Check him out. I'll put his website and his books in the show notes. Uh, great writer. And really, if you're on Twitter or Instagram, you should follow him. It's a great, encouraging uh, just stream of things that he gives us to think about. And it's a great, beautiful family. Encourages me that there are young people out there raising their family to pursue God with all their hearts. And no matter what the media or this this current moment in society might make you think, the Lord's kingdom is alive and well, friend. And there are people like Drew Dick out there doing it right, leading us on. And I'm excited and I can't wait to have him back in October for his new book. Listen, friend, Hope is the First Dose is coming in hot six days from now. Go pre-order it anywhere books are sold. ChristianBook.com has a great price on the book right now, by the way. And if you pre-order it, go to my website, wle1md.com slash first dose and upload your proof of purchase and you can download the playlist and all this great stuff that goes along with the book. Be praying for us. We've got a big week coming up. Please go check out Drew Dick and his amazing work. And uh, these are some books that you need to read. And it's a guy that you ought to be following. You can't change your life until you change your mind, friend. And even when you have a busted heart, even when life feels like everything's falling apart, if you can find that hope and plant your feet firmly on solid ground, it'll pay off. I promise. And the good news is, as For King and Country is about to sing to us, is you can start today. has come back again feels like the season won't end my faith is tired tonight and i won't try to pretend i've got it all figured out that i don't have any doubts i've got a busted heart i need you now yeah i need you Your heart a thousand times, but you.
that you've never left my side You have always been here for me Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.